Continuing our investigation of Vermont, we're moving on to local cryptids. This week, we're focusing on one of the most notable to the region, a lake monster named Champ. Let's dive deeper on this local legend and discuss its possible connections to other creatures in the area. Welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. How are you? I am very well. Uh, this one, as you guys heard in our little intro there, we're going to be talking about uh, Champ, the lake monster of Lake Champlain. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Before we dive into that, though, I, I am realizing the pun I had set up there. We're diving in and we're talking about a lake monster. <laughs> <laughs> I like that good pun. That's a good pun. <laughs> I'm just full of them. Uh, so before we dive into that, a, a quick shout out to say that up on YouTube, we just tossed up the NICAP miniso. That's actually up on the podcast feed as well. So people watching mm-hmm. live with us on Twitch, just so you guys know right now. And then um, by the time people are listening to this on either YouTube or um, uh, the actual, yes, thank you, Spotify or iTunes <laughs> on Saturday, um, they'll they'll have all this to catch up on. It's it's going to be awesome. So that was really fun doing NICAP. I got to do a little bit more of a focus dive. That's the UFO investigative organization that was around the 50s. Uh, really, really neat. And I, I always end up uncovering something, Pagan, just a little bit extra when I'm doing Mm -hmm. that, and I'm like, dang it, we're going to have to talk about all this again soon in the future. We always can, and, you know, that's the good thing because we're probably going to find ties later on that go back to that and back and forth. And the one thing about the paranormal is everything's connected. It doesn't matter where it is. Something is connected to something else somewhere else. And so we'll have good times talking about our going backwards and seeing all that as well, so... I'm very much look forward to that time. Now, again, continuing our order, you know, we've been doing the, uh, what is it, the UFOs, then the cryptids, then the mm-hmm. hauntings. So this episode is our cryptids for Vermont. And then you guys yes. can expect that in the next uh, coming episodes, we're going to be doing hauntings and supernatural cult stuff in the air. So that's going to be very, very fun. <laughs> and um, I guess just to tease, you know, we're going into Salem sort of things as we get closer mm-hmm. to Halloween. So just to put that all on people radar before we dive straight into this one that you know there's there's a lot of that coming and it's going to be very spooky and awesome i can't wait it's going to be spooky and awesome we're going to talk about all the good witchcrafty stuff over in massachusetts and then we're going to talk about all the good haunted stuff in massachusetts and the alien stuff and the cryptid stuff and all the great stuff oh yes well let's let's get to talking about this guy here so some very generic basics what are we talking about well we're going to be focusing on the Lake Champlain sea serpent or monster. There's many different names. And, and the reason for that is this is one of the oldest documented cases that we've covered to date. We've talked uh, in our, our main things back to uh, some Native American stuff. We talked about that with the Pacuji uh, a couple weeks ago. But in this case, this is one of the first, I, I emphasize documented. Another way to say it could be like European sightings. Uh, because, you know, they, they tend to discount Native American lore. I, I, yeah. So the documentation, I guess, formally starts with this. And that puts it as early as 1609. So this guy's got mm-hmm. quite a history to him. He does have quite a history. And, 
you know, I wish that we could, you know, have the documented cases before this, because, you know, if in 1609, we're not just going to have some creature just up and appear out of nowhere. Yes. So I'm pretty sure that this thing has been around even longer than that. So it's exciting that that's our earliest documented case. But mm-hmm. if we could hear probably other cases, they would probably go back even further. It's it's very interesting. We'll do, we'll get to talking about that in a little more detail as we go through uh, some some details though on the location because this one might be yeah I don't know. So uh, let's maybe step back a step further. People think of Loch Ness being the big lake monster or sea creature that we don't know about yet. Um, there's so much speculation. And this is the North American clone of that, if you will. I'm using that lightly as a mm-hmm. phrase. This is literally our variant of Loch Ness. And to give people perspective, again, we're focusing on this for Vermont. But Lake Champlain being a 125 mile or 201 kilometer uh, long body of fresh water, it's shared by New York State, Vermont, and Canada. So it's mm-hmm. it's right in this. I almost want to say tri- tri-state, but I'll try. It's got a country in there too. Ch- ch- local area that's that's got a lot of different people having access to that body of water. Part of this reason is that Lake Champlain was actually a sea. So this fed in from the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and there's many, many, many fossils and the like that go to prove that sort of history to it. And I don't know, it, it makes for one of those cases, just like Loch Ness, where the geography allows for this type of thing. Again, a lake that's hard to explore. So it may leave that mm-hmm. mind open, I think, Pagan. It really does. And uh, I, I believe, I, I think you said this, but if you didn't, uh, the depth of the lake is 427 feet, which is extremely deep for most lakes. That, uh, other wow. than I would say probably the Great Lakes, but honestly, I don't know how deep they are. I just know they're quite big and all that good stuff. So, you know, this gives this creature a lot of area to live in, a lot, yeah. and to hide. You're not wrong at all. Like I, I was, I was watching. Um, shout out to this other production company that's out there called Small Town Monsters. I was watching. They did, I think, a six episode miniseries on YouTube, about fifteen ish minutes a piece. Um, I really enjoyed myself because they were to- they were interviewing a lot of locals and people that were uh, either researchers for this case or people that were experts on the lake, and seeing some of them walk around with a camera and actually show off the biodiversity of the area it's it's this big lake mm-hmm. like you're saying very deep we talked about how it was fed in from the ocean and because of you know changing uh i guess just over time with erosion you've got glacier melt all that sort of stuff has made it so it's got a lot of marshland around it that is very similar i would argue to like florida marshes you know where things can really mm-hmm. go deep in it you can take a boat through it um, which is not what I first came to mind when I was thinking the, the lakes up here. Um, marshes and No, I wouldn't Vermont think of that either. Just don't click for me. So that was interesting to see because they were talking, you know, it could slide up on some of these areas here. These would be really good to hide. And I was like, you're right. An alligator could just pop out by the looks of it. So why couldn't there be other things lurking in those murky depths? Agreed. And 
you know, that kind of makes me think also to, you know, the marshes in Florida. It makes me think to kind of the swamps also in Louisiana, yeah, where stuff just goes and hides in those murky waters and those grassland areas. Uh, and we said grassland swampy areas because if you've ever been to Florida and Louisiana, literally, it looks like a grassland until you step in the water and you're waist deep in it. Oh, that's true. That's that. that. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I will. I will shout out. Pagan and I just recorded something awesome for Patreon. Uh, it'll be out mm-hmm. Friday, September 11th here that uh, we, we talked. We just did a very fun call with each other where we just bs and one of the things we got into talking about was our fear of bodies of water where you just can't see the bottom or yeah yeah our our fears of water in general essentially yeah Yeah, all that kelpy goodness down there you don't know what's lurking and 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 so in this case um i guess back to some basics on on our critter here so champ is Mm -hmm. estimated to be about 10 to 30 feet in length uh, this this kind of varies again. You can imagine report to report, but generally speaking, is considered brown or uh, brown and scaly, or like a black skin to them. So it's something that blends in well to that murky depth, right? Like nothing worse trying to spot something in its native coloring scheme is exactly what the lake looks like. Um, mm-hmm. Hundreds of sightings have come in over this time. And, and again, I mentioned, you know, this is, this is a seawater-fed area originally to the point that uh, back in 1849, they came across something called the Charlotte Whale, uh, which is a, a, a Vermont a state fossil, 11,000-year-old beluga whale that was found in Lake Champlain, the, the fossil of. So absolutely insane. Beluga whales were actually in this area. When we talk about something that is 10 to 30 feet in length, this kind of sea creature, what could it be? Um, when you got beluga whales up there, it kind of gives you a way more, I guess, modern scale and scope to it to understand mm-hmm. and believe in that sort of size. Mac in chat says that Champ is about the size of a whale shark, and I believe you're actually correct in that. I believe that whale sharks are about 10 to 30 feet. What was it, a whale shark? I'm going to look that up a really whale quickly shark. while you guys are chatting. Yes, whale sharks uh, are, they're much bigger than great whites, obviously, because they're compared to whales, um, but they are very characteristic of sharks, and they are technically in the shark family of sorts, but wow. much bigger than any other kind of shark, I believe. I think they're the biggest. Yeah, this is so, that, that, that is pretty, Max, pretty close, because these guys can get up to a whopping whale shark, 62 feet, which is large, but um, they can definitely be around 15 feet. I mean, I'm, I'm skimming here off to the side but yeah max max pretty close there with the size of it so you know you you start to get these in mind um and and i guess maybe we should start to also paint them a little bit of an image of what Mm -hmm. we're talking about for champ so pardon me as i'm skipping a little further down our our show notes but totally fine this is a plesiosaur dinosaur for those that are that are curious I'm, i'm showing one on on stream um we're gonna have these in the show notes for people listening in the audio version but Plesiosaur being a one of those uh, dinosaurs that had a long neck. It's got a semi-small head to it, and I wanted—I should find a better picture to show. And we'll again throw that in the vault notes for everybody. But to paint that image, what you're what's coming to mind with Loch Ness and all that, pretty accurate to what people are seeing in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, though accounts vary, of course. Yes, of course. You know accounts 
very some some of the accounts that when I was doing my research went from like serpent to paleosaur and all of those different kinds of creatures to kind of like this long neck sea turtle-ish kind of looking creature. I'm like, that's a little far-fetched, but okay. I, I'll, I'll buy whatever you're trying to sell there. It's cool. Yeah. So I think that it does vary, and I think it varies from sighting to sighting because of the fact that it probably depends on how submerged the full body is. So they may be, you know, comparing it to, I believe that some of them compared them to eels, didn't they? Or was that yeah, the other one? Yeah, no, uh, we, we did stumble across some eel stuff. Uh, they definitely have a neck of an eel, a, a very large one, that is. I don't, I don't personally <laughs> know how big, pardon me, the eels actually get, but like, he definitely could appear like that. Um, when you guys see the images, if, if you look up Champ, if you look up a Plesiosaur, this is that traditional, again, Loch Ness sort of vibe. And and I admit, it is a creep. By its very nature, this is kind of a creepy uh, critter, I guess. Like, this is not something I would want underneath of me. It's one of the type that has, I don't know, like a, a, a semi-bulbous body, right? And then it's got its mm-hmm. four flippers, it, you know, in the in the traditional, um, you know, spots there. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing wildly outlandish when we're talking about sea creatures. It, it definitely fits that kind of mold. And you may have seen them in a museum even. I realize I, mm-hmm. I, I've got some picked up here on the side where, where there's fossils of those and so and bone skeletons, all that jazz. Um, I I would not want this near me because it's definitely got some aggressive teeth. <laughs> it it's known to eat, uh, or at the time it was alive to eat fish, mollusks, other sort of critters that are swimming around. Again, all actively thriving in that lake. So there would be a food source in this case for for Champ to go after if they're surviving. Yes, and I believe the food source um, primarily for uh, Lake Champlain was the there's sturgeons, which sturgeons yep. are actually very large fish. So, and there's quite a few of them. I believe there's also eels in a lot of those lakes. So, if Champ is there, Champ is not going hungry. He has a lot of food to munch on. Yeah, I agree, and and that that goes back to one of the earliest reports. I don't believe it was a sturgeon. Uh, it might have been. They basically said when when the, the earliest report happened, that was probably actually just one of the native fish to the area. But man, was it a terrifying looking fish because it had like a, you know, this, this fish that still lives there now. You can go see him. Has these, again, <laughs> rather aggressive looking teeth. It looks very prehistoric in itself. So uh, I guess if you're, you know, a, an Englishman or, you know, someone coming over from Europe and seeing these areas, uh, this would probably be the French up here in Champlain and all that. But uh, you're coming over here. This would be different. This would be very scary. You know, this is the untamed land and you're seeing what would still be large, large fish of what? Upwards of eight feet at times. So, yes, sturgeons are huge yeah. and they're disturbing looking. I, I recommend y'all go look up what a sturgeon looks like on your own time because they might give you nightmares. <laughs> they're, uh, they're pretty ugly, terrifying fish. I'm showing a non-disturbing one on stream right now, but it is three men, three three large male adults that you could fit a... F- Honestly, they're, so they're standing vertically while the thing's horizontally. You could fit five men holding this thing. You know, them standing uh, vertically, the fish being held horizontally. Like, it's, it is large. It's like five <laughs> men wide. So, yeah, it's a big boy. 
uh, I would be terrified, too, if I had never seen one of those and was coming over. It's very easy to understand why that could be seen in itself as a lake monster. Yes, definitely so. Now, as we move down this list here, uh, we, we're going to start to talk just about some of these different cases. Some of them may come at us kind of just out, out of sync here, but we're trying to tell a story that is in itself a little in, a little broken apart just because how the reports have been dismissed. Uh, as I was listening to reports, firsthand accounts from the people that were there, many of them felt like this was something that if you owned up to, there was a lot of ridicule surrounding it. Because you do think about it, it's, mm-hmm. it's rather hard uh, trying to push the narrative of a, a lake creature. I think we're a lot more accepting of things that are in the ocean that we don't know about because of how vast it is, or things that are in the sky that we don't know about. But when we think of lakes, well, they're pretty self-contained. And again, it just I think we as humans maybe have a little bit of a misunderstanding that we know all about it, when in truth we don't. Yes, entirely on, you know, with this lake, this lake is 427 feet deep. Mm -hmm. And that's extremely deep, even for humans to try to dive into. And lakes are murky water. They're not like swimming in the ocean where you can see for quite some ways and all that. And they're just very murky and there's a lot of silt and all that. So it's very easy for you to be diving in that area. And champs swim right past you, and you never even saw them. Oh, might see a shadow. Don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't catch me diving there. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, So, so we kind of talked about how this is a little bit of a a possibility to get this plesiosaur type creature here, and and I heard this uh, this this great account from Scott Mardis, who's been investigating champ at that area for about twenty six years. His hypothesis being, again, we talked that the lake was fed in there by ocean water. Um, as the ocean water kind of receded, that, that lake would have changed to fresh water. That would, in his opinion, be gradual enough of a time that if these creatures, these places source that existed about 203 million years ago, that they could make their way in there kind of as a, a school, as a, a herd of their own. Um, going into that region and getting cut off. Uh, not a new mm-hmm. story in that way. That is very similar to the Loch Ness sort of story. And in general, just fits in line with how many lakes and uh, oceans evaporated. Here I am broadcasting from Salt Lake City, which is you know very much this. We have the whole salt flats here and all kinds of stuff. Our mountains in this area, you can actually see there's like steps to them where the, where the, the, the ocean sat at one point. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we're totally a landlocked state at this point, but we have a deep history of having a deep ocean. So um, to believe that these things could could come in and get kind of stuck like that is believable. But I will say I heard one of the biggest maybe things against it, but they would have to have at least like 50 or so of their kind to still exist to populate, which I don't know. That might be hard. That might be a little tricky. I mean, evolution's an interesting thing, so who knows? Maybe it, there's just a small little family that lives in there. and Or maybe there's a whole bunch of them at the bottom of that 427-foot lake that we just aren't going to go looking down there. Yeah. I, they say there's an intricate <laughs> cave system there, too. So <laughs> I saw... Oh, so lots of places to hide. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. And these reports, Peg, go the whole way back, like we said earlier, to Native Americans. And, and the show, again, mm-hmm. Small Town Monsters, kind of pointed at some of these local petroglyphs um, that maybe showed some images of it. I admit, in my searching of, of Google, I wasn't able to come across a, gate, a great petroglyph that showed a creature. Uh, I will warn people that might go out and try and do the same. I, I saw a very cool-looking image, but I couldn't track it down to being local to that area. Um, okay. I, I'm showing one on screen now that that is. This is this is local. Uh, these are these are some of the Native Americans from the region, and it does show some sort of uh, like hunting sort of scene. Looks like we've got some sort of fox, wolf, dog creature there. Pagan, you called out one that looked like a thunderbird channeling kind of back yeah, to our... Yeah, the, the one on the, the bottom right there kind of looks like a very large kind of thunder type bird. And then the other one on the left on the bottom looks very much like some sort of bird as well. But the interesting thing is, too, the one on the right, mm-hmm. I could almost say that maybe it's a paleosaur as well because, you know, it's got those kind of smaller fins in the back and then yeah. it's got the larger ones up front, which is very similar to a paleosaur. And if you were looking at it from, I guess, above or, you know, something else, or maybe, you know, saw it swim underneath and didn't see the neck, maybe, I don't know. But that top one also kind of looks a little sea sea serpent-y, so I don't know. Like, maybe they were seeing stuff that we weren't, or maybe it was, you know, they just felt artsy that day. I I, I don't know, but... (laughs) You know, Thunderbirds were once a thing. Um, you know, obviously we have lore of like condors and, you know, condors were a real thing. Um, the lore of the Thunderbirds from Alaska and all that. So who's to say that they didn't go all the way through Canada and come down into Vermont? I, um, yeah. That's right. Anything's possible. It really is. And, 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 and to what you said there a second ago, I will say there are accounts of it from natives. So Quoting from LakeChamplainRegion.com, they have a quote here. The indigenous people that have long lived and hunted hunted near Lake Champlain, the Abenaki and the Iroquois, have their own legends about a large creature inhabiting the lake, which looked like a large horned serpent or giant snake. They call them the Gitaskog. I think I said that right. Something close Uh, to that. (laughs) Get a scog. Get a scog. Get Some, a scog. Something close. I, I something didn't like butcher that. it as bad as I was nervous about when I was kind of pre-reading <laughs> it. <laughs> the get a scog. So, I mean, they did have their own lore surrounding it, right? These these, these Native mm-hmm. Americans were talking about something in there. And, and creatures and bodies of water like this... Uh, Hard to say. I'm I'm a little in the middle of myself on these sort of things. I think there is plenty of room for an open mind when we look at creatures like this. Um, but let's maybe dive into some of these noteworthy sightings here, Pagan. Do you want to read these off yeah. or do you want me to take it? Oh, we can split them down the middle. Do actually. it. There's plenty of them. Excellent. So the first one uh, came from July 24th, 19, or I'm sorry, 1819. And this was uh, appeared in the Plattsburgh Republican newspaper. Captain Crum was aboard a scow on the Bulwaga Bay. I, I hope I yeah, said that correctly. That's right, Bulwaga or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. The previous Thursday morning, and he reported a black monster about 187 feet long, the head resembling a seahorse. And that reared up more than 15 feet out of the water. He claimed the monster he saw had three teeth 
and eyes the color of a peeled onion, a white star on its forehead, and a belt of red around its neck. This remarkable detail is concerning and uh, level this remarkable level of detail concerning was the object that, according to witnesses, was some 200 yards away. So, for a very large creature, that's not difficult for me to say that that's implausible. If it was that large, um, yeah. he could possibly see the, that amount of detail. I'm not sure, but I don't know. What, what <laughs> um, a legend with that name, too. Captain Crumb. What a, what a name. <laughs> sounds like, like a pirate. <laughs> I sounds like a pirate that also should be on like a cereal box that's just nothing but crumbs in there. I don't know. It's like mashed up. That could be the, the I buy the big cheap bags of cereal myself. And if they ever get them and they're crushed, you're buying Captain Crumb brand right there, Jack. There you go. <laughs> Next up, uh, uh, I'll skip down here because that was, you said 1819. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a while before another yes. big noteworthy. And again, these are noteworthy ones. These are ones that made it into the local paper at the time so skipping forward about what in the 18th let's say 1820s this is skipping for about 53 years roughly so 1873 was a busy year for chant new york times actually ran a story reporting that a railroad crew had seen the head of an enormous serpent in lake champlain it had a bright or bright silvery scales that glistened in the sun and the men said the monster parted ways at this point uh they they were going on their way with their just job but like kind of looking at this thing it was going down the water and they were just in awe of it they noted its sharp teeth and and just the way it actually swum like well this is the thing they said it just propelled itself straight forward it wasn't doing coily maneuvers maybe more like a snake type Mm -hmm. would which i think is interesting that leans a bit more towards that plesiosaur style with the fins um, right. more like a fish than an actual snake that would maybe just sit in the water and curl its way through. Um, but these stories at the time are, are just interesting. I will caveat one good point that I heard someone say in an interview, which was at this time, you know, the 18, 1800s in America and our news, there was a lot of satire in there at the time. So when you're looking back <laughs> at some of these stories, they were saying some of them you can't, it's hard to tell whether they were almost laughing at the reporter, uh, the the person reporting the sighting, or if they were actually fully involved, it was it was a little hard to say. But uh, ho- hopefully, I don't know. I'd like I mean, to take it. I would say that those reports would have to be, you know, back then they wanted the newspapers to be. They were a large source of everyone's entertainment, so yeah. they wanted them to have comical aspects and they wanted them to have the serious aspects. And it's kind of like. You know, when you're going to digest something, you'd almost kind of rather digest it in a fun manner versus a uber serious manner. So if you had to hear about some scary giant sea monster or lake monster that was in Lake Champlain, where a lot of people got their fish from and, you know, hunted around and all that, you'd probably want it in a fun way. So you didn't freak out and go screaming for the hills. I agree. I agree. Hey, you're right. That's a great. That's a great point. It was the entertainment at the time, and also to be said that yeah. I mean, it was a scarier world back then in some ways. I. I but but that being said, I we we've got more exciting stories to dive into. I don't want to skip too far ahead. I'm, I'm keeping myself back. Pagan, do you want to read this next one? Or let me dive into it. Uh, yes, this also, let's see, uh, we're talking about July the same yes. year. 
there was actually several reports within the same year. Uh, this one came from the Clinton County Sheriff, Nathan H. Mooney, reported a enormous snake or water serpent he thought was 25 to 35 feet long. Then in August, a steamship, the a steamship WB Edie encountered Champ by running into it. The ship nearly turned over, according to the tourists on board. That was a fascinating one to hear. They actually hit it with a steamship, they think. And almost Champ, sank. Champ probably was like, what the hell just touched me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty wild. Like that that also goes to show like the size of this lake again. You know, this is this is steamship size. Like you can do things like that here. Um, this is not just kayaking sort of lake. Like it's it is a large, large body of water. So to have that happen, I just I think is very interesting. And that leads into this this next part, which I think we can have some fun discussion on. So, again, 1873, same year, P.T. Barnum offered a reward of $50,000. I should look at what that inflation rate is on that. Um, but $50,000, <laughs> right, for the hide of the Great Champlain Serpent to add to his mammoth collection for the World's Fair show, uh, which thankfully no one killed it and I, I guess it made me write down this question and I've still been mulling this over after a couple days which is I now uh, get a, a bit of why people don't report all the sightings they see and such if at the time the first answer was well let's go kill it damn that sucks like I don't want our paranormal creatures to be killed it it makes the question of like how much do we disclose in general pagan like as, mm -hmm. as investigators you don't want to be saying like yeah I just saw Bigfoot but at the same time you don't want to rile up a mob that's going to go then kill Bigfoot at the same time so I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show the show is to me it takes the air of seriousness and then makes it completely fictitious or fictitious, which is, uh, I, I want to say it's mountain monsters. It's on travel channel. It's, if you ever watch it, it's a whole group of rednecks out in the Appalachian woods hunting cryptids. Oh no. Are they trying they, to kill it? They're trying. They're not necessarily trying to kill it. They try to catch them so okay. they can basically, you know study them but they often they'll get hurt like one guy ended up in the hospital at one point in time he had a car thrown on him and ended up being this great conspiracy which made it be completely totally fake because i'm sorry you're just people are just not that important nobody cares enough to be that big of a conspiracy just to be fair oh, wow anyway uh but yeah they they went and they hunted down these cryptids and all this and they went after or like sheep squatch and they went after Jersey Devil, and they went after all these other ones that were supposed to be hiding up in Appalachia and the Mothman. And yeah. I don't know. Interesting. It's a crazy show. If you want a good laugh, go watch it. But uh, other than that, that's about it. They never catch anything. They never actually get anything. They never really get any hard evidence. They just, you know, chase a bunch of shadows through the woods, essentially. Well, that 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 jogs the memory loose of where I started to think like this. Why this question came forward now was I was I listened to last podcast on the left as they covered the Boggy Creek monster, which I had never heard of before. Um, but one of the first things the locals did was go and try and kill it. You know, they sent a bunch of men out in the woods with guns. So mm -hmm. it really it begs that big question of like if you do find weird stuff, uh, it, 
yeah, keeping it disclosed, like keeping it from getting out there is is almost equally important to reporting your finding because if it goes to the wrong people, I mean, they're just going to go out and try and shoot it. Now, I, you know, when we look at these cryptids, they tend to be good hiders anyway. If, assuming that they are real, let's just say that for a second, assuming all the cryptids we talk about are real, um, hopefully, you know, they, they tend to be hiding things by their very nature. That's why we don't know of them. They're secret, elusive, whatever. Agreed. And I think as, you know, paranormal investigators and all that, I think when it comes to the cryptids, I believe the world should be told about them. But at the same time, we also need to spread the message of these creatures hide for a reason Mm -hmm. and they are likely dangerous. Do not go hunt them. Do not go chase them. Do not try to kill them. Do not try to catch them. They're basically another animal. And if you put it in a corner, it's going to come out and hurt you. So is a yes. What Pagan said. Um, Sean Solo in chat says, if you hear like wood banging on wood in the forest, that's a Bigfoot. Oh, boy. We talked about that, actually. We talked about that in Maine. Yeah. When we talked about Maine. And uh, I think we also talked about that a little bit in New Hampshire as well. And this is this is still we're still in Bigfoot country. You know, this is there are reports of Bigfoot being in these these um, northeastern states. So, yes. Now that also jogged a memory when we when you were kind of talking about um well I guess when we were both kind of talking about these people going out hunting them I did not get to look this up so I'm saying this right off the top of my head but I heard that with Champ there was actually some kind of decree or announcement of some sort that they you know did not want people out there mm-hmm. actually fishing and hunting for it and one of the people that was interviewed I think it was the same one we referenced earlier Scott or it was his associate that was another investigator had said yeah you know if we found more information on Champ getting protections for the lake so that people can't go out and hunt it would definitely be one of the first things we would seek and I I like that I like that one of them is protected I think it is Champ that is protected protected by vermont canada and new york state i think that um they actually implemented laws and stated that champ is a protected creature and you cannot hunt him wow see that's really i'm pretty sure it's champ it's either champ or one of the other ones but i did read that one of them is protected i love that i'm gonna look that up that's gonna be that's gonna be one of my next things to dive into and if i find that i will try and include that in the mini-sode for um for YouTube when I when I cover Champ. Because, I don't know, that's just really cool to see that local administration actually did go out. Whether or not, whether or not this creature is real, I like that they've gone to protect Champ. Because he has become a local attraction. Um, there are businesses that have cropped up around Champ, all trying to kind of promote mm-hmm. the message. There is, oh, I think it's called Champ Trading Post out there. Uh, but anyway, there's a couple businesses that were interviewed and very, very cute to hear how, how they're going about it. The local one of the local sports teams there is named after Champ. I think it's their baseball team. But um, they, they've picked it up. They've gone with it. Yeah. So they're the Lake Monsters is their uh, kind of their, their branding. And I oh, thought, that's adorable. I thought that was like a really neat way to work it in. And, and, and that's, I guess, similar to the Mothman, too. Right. The town has really mm-hmm. embraced it. Um, I'm showing on screen here for a second. Champ has some parade floats and stuff like that. So very, very <laughs> neat. And and I heard um, that this kind of they have a festival that goes on to promote Champ as well. And, you know, it's it's something that helps local businesses, right? So at the yes. very least, it is totally a harmless 
uh, sort of creature in the sense that no one is losing their life to champ. Um, the, the, the local area is benefiting from it. So I, I like that. It just it's good to see people coming together over something. And I'm glad it can be something as weird and strange as us cryptid folks. I mean, you know, it's kind of every I think everywhere has those kind of interesting cryptids so that people just kind of associate their towns with. So good on them to do this. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the interesting stories that we have, mm-hmm. I we have that famous photo. Let's to talk, talk about, about it. As well. Let's talk about that. So in 1977, Sandra Mancy took a photo while on vacation with her family, and it appears to show something sticking out of the lake. The entire bay of the lake where she took the photograph was reportedly no deeper than 14 feet. Some say that Champ couldn't possibly be in the water because it was too shallow. But my question is, what if it was a young one? We often see sharks swim in shallow waters, and these shallow waters are like three to four feet deep. So why couldn't this creature... So you'll see actually on the screen there is that famous photo. Yeah. Yeah, this this is an interesting one. So I believe it was her story um, where she went down there. She had her kids um, and her husband. They were they were on a trip. The kids, they're letting them out uh, to stretch their legs, kind of mess around in a little approachable water there. Um, I think mm-hmm. the husband was bringing over the camera and you know she she's seeing it. He he gets there at the camera. She grabs it and she snaps this this photo, which has become such a such a big part of the lore. And it's now preserved there in in one of their museums because um, she was a big big champ advocate trying to get this out there. Now I did hear some debunking on this photo potentially, as there will be, where people say it could just be a log. And I admit that is a weirdly compelling thing. The log explanation because if you've seen a log bob through the water it's very easy to potentially mistake that as as a critter um especially when you're talking about roots that are stretching out there uh you're talking about it just being a weird shape and again as the water's moving it and it's bobbing and it's sinking and it's tossing over a little bit it could definitely give it the look of a creature but i i don't know this to me is a cool very interestingly compelling photo that was not doctored. It is an interesting thing, too, because, you know, if it was a log, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously the head would move, but the head's going to be pointing in one direction the whole time. It's never going to go back into the water. It's never going to do anything. It's just going to be floating and drifting along. And eventually it's not just going to sink. It's just going to probably end up on the shore, end up in one of those marshes that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So I think that while they say it's a log... It is plausible, but I honestly, I, I think that it was probably something interesting that we don't know about. You know, yeah. I, I'm not one to go dive in that lake to tell you what's uh, down no. there. So don't ask Pagan to do it because Pagan ain't going to do it. Pagan's <laughs> going to be like, you go find someone else. Yeah, no. And not me. Uh, but I would say that the photo is so interesting and the trees that are in that area don't grow in weird shapes. They're not like, you know, the trees of other forests, like up in Portland, or, you know, the ones that are in Poland, or the ones that are in Romania that grow in really strange shapes. So, I don't know. 
I'm not buying the whole tree thing. Yeah, I so I saw um, a, a replication, like a 3D model of what this picture could mm-hmm. look like as a tree. And it was weirdly compelling. Like, it doesn't look as strange as one might think it needs to get this photo, at least. Like, so basically what they're saying for anyone that can see this, um, if you're following along in the audio format, whip open those show notes in the description there. Um, they said that that's basically one of its roots that kind of got twisted. But you mentioned like it would say stationary. They did have an explanation for that, which I'm going to butcher, basically to say that the, the way the way something with the currents and the ripples and all that stuff that I have no idea about because I don't go in water, they do cause trees and stuff when things are floating to kind of bob down and up, I guess, as they're hitting just different little things. Mm-hmm. Again, not a lake expert, not a not a water physics expert here, but I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I could see it kind of going a little bit of either way. I would like to believe, and I think that's kind of the other thing for all of this is the townsfolk want to believe as well. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of an up and it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I can share some quickly some things that they're they're using, though, to try and track them down, which I thought was cool. Um, they have these cameras that they're submerging and it sits oh, on like submersible a submersible Yeah, Those are awesome. It's got a little like weight at the bottom and then it sits there and it basically images up. So it shoots up at the the surface because as the sunlight is shooting down through, anything that then moves over top of that camera, um, I believe it takes photos like every five seconds. If you got a big critter moving over top, you'd have a big silhouette. And then these guys power Mm -hmm. off at night when it's dark and then, you know, flip flip on the next day to continue. And then on top of that, they were using some of those uh, submersible microphones and stuff. Then they presented some interesting, like, clicking noises which i was really keen on believing they're like that could be some sort of maybe echolocation or even if not echolocation it's the noise a lot of fish make however the fish in the lake make the same exact sound so you're either getting the mythical cham or just any other fish in the lake and i was like oh that's maybe a hard and see, sell I could totally play devil's advocate with that and be like but what if Champ has adapted over the years to sound just like the fish to s- stay hidden? Well, that's, yeah, that's that's the question is, it, it's, you're totally right. It's that one to believe versus the problem is it's, I guess, evidence that can't then be used just because of that point, right? Like, it's so right. common. And that's where I instantly got a little deflated. I was like, well, if that's the only thing in the lake that could potentially make that. The way they presented it was neat. They were like, here's the sound. Here's how a whale sounds. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, but here's also how all the other fish in the lake sound. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I had me there for a minute. I want to believe I'm, I'm too, too big. But, of a you know, the other thing, too, is we also don't know what a paleosaur would actually or yeah, mm-hmm. a paleosaur would actually sound like. So, you know, they can sort of understand it, but we weren't alive then. There was not recording equipment back then. We don't really know. Yeah. We can speculate, but we don't really know. And so True. who is to say that Champ literally does not sound like the other fish? That could be their survival mechanism. It very or one well of could them. be. It's a lot of time. 203 million years, a long time to adapt. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, they went from salt water to fresh water, so they did something, some kind of adapting. Mm-hmm. So, but we do have one other creature that is very similar to Champ, and I keep bumping my mic, and I apologize, everybody, because I talk with my hands. Um, In Lake 
I'm going to butcher this. Memphirmagog? Maybe I didn't butcher that as Memphirmagog. Nope, that's, that's as good as I get. Yep. Okay. There is another sea serpent-like creature known as the Memphir. And while this lake is much smaller than Champlain, it's only 39 square miles, it is still large enough to house this creature, and it does sound a lot like a paleosaur. So the there is a image in there yeah there you go uh that shows this lake it is also a very kind of murky looking lake as well and so could it very well hide one of these creatures yes now in this lake and i believe also in champlain and also in the willy i'm gonna just call it the lake willy because i don't remember exactly how to say the other one (laughs) Uh, there is also another sea creature that they do say is another serpent, but they say that one is very serpent-like, not paleosaur. So could these ones be linked to the eels? Yes. The, the eels can range, um, anywhere between, I believe they said eight to 25 feet. And these are giant eels. And Kyle and I actually looked one up the other day when we were recording the Patreon episode and these eels are terrifying. They're so big. So big. Yeah. So could it be what people are saying? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm i not going to go out in the water and tell you, hey, that's an eel or that's Willie or that's the Memphier or that's Champ. Not going to happen. You're not going to catch me out of the lake. It's just not going to happen. But at the same time. I'm kind of with the townsfolk. I want to believe. I don't really care. It's not harming anybody. It's not eating people. Agreed. And, you know, at this rate, it is just a fun legend that happens to live there. It's just so. one of the townsfolk at this point. I think so. And and Mac uh, in chat had asked us where, where this lake is versus uh, Champlain. Oh, it, they're very, very close together. Now, if they're we're about two hours apart, yeah, if we're talking about them having been linked together, the answer is most definitely yes. At some point, yeah. these lakes would have absolutely been hooked together. And as you mm-hmm. kind of look at it on a map, you can really see uh, what sort of like location we're talking about. There is already still access from the Atlantic Ocean in that goes, you know, again into the Great Lakes. That is, oh my God. Probably like you could walk this in a day, I'm sure, the distance between like where where these kind of tributaries end where they no longer meet. So again, these ideas of them connecting, very, very, very accurate. Like it's mm-hmm. so you just see it even today. So it's not a shocker. I think you're right, Pagan. I think as we kind of close out this this question about champ, I, I think the I side with you in saying this is a very cute case that doesn't hurt anybody. I love that it brings attention to the area but i will say if you're someone that likes these sort of lake monsters and critters pay some attention to champ because i noticed a lot of the locals feel like this legend is kind of fading out just as time goes on it had its it had its big thing you know in the 1800s and you know 1977 being one of the last huge that's when that picture catapulted into the mainstream again um, but since it's kind of been riding on local legend and stuff like that, uh, I also thought it was cute. One thing that also helps is that museum was using Champ to help teach kids about the value of like keeping your lake clean so you're not killing biodiversity. That's so. great. That's great. I, I'd pay attention yeah. to that stuff more as a kid if they had a lake right? monster involved. Heck yeah. yeah. We didn't have anything cool like that growing up, so... You know, but if I had Champ in my hometown and 
I would probably have been you know, more keen on taking care of the, the lakes and all that, but they didn't have anything cool like that. No so. lake monster. Well, Jack, no lake monster. and listeners at home, go out and take good care of your lakes. There's, take care of your critters in there no matter what, because maybe you got something secret hiding in there that you'll have to find someday or be able to find. Uh, on right. that on that note, though, I feel like, Champ, we've done you a little bit of a service, I hope. Um, it was very fun one to learn about. We're going to have vault mm-hmm. notes again with all that information because there's a lot to dive into, you guys. Just like all these cases, we want to give you a teaser, a taste, a little bit of a sampler of what you can go out. And like that man we mentioned earlier, spend 25 years researching. I mean, it's it's these things take time and effort. And last week we talked about some of the money it takes to run organizations mm-hmm. of any scale. Uh, so so go out there, support some of these local legends and places I, I would love this would be a really cute place to tour someday like this. If we're ever in the oh, Vermont right? area, I'd love to go through and, and chat with some of the people, the ones that run these kind of museums. And I don't know that have some of those stores. They just love collecting those local legends and, and, and want to keep the spirit of it alive. So so go out there and do it. As we wrap this one up, though, Pagan, uh, what do we got coming out for people? What do we talk about tomorrow? Well, I guess September 11th uh, is mm-hmm. our patreon exclusive that's coming out I want to talk about that a little bit we mentioned earlier but yeah the patreon exclusive that is coming out tomorrow is our bonus episode and we decided that we weren't giving you guys enough access into who we were as individuals and kind of why we love this field and you know the different things and kind of we touched on some of the stuff that we've already talked about and we talked touched on other things that we've talked about you know in regards to the Pakwudis and we talked about the uh, oh lord uh, it's escaping me now but we talked about a lot we also talked about some of the shows that we love we talked about all different cases and everything else and kind of stuff that we really kind of want to dive into as well so if you haven't subscribed to the patreon head over there it's under that wonderful five dollar roll that you get so much great content yeah and you know for five bucks you get a whole bonus episode you get extra stuff you get early access to all of kyle's great youtube videos if you haven't checked those out head over to youtube as well and you get just great stuff if you want to subscribe higher we're not going to stop you because <laughs> you get so much other great yes. stuff too. You get articles, you get kind of commentary kind of stuff. Our, basically, we also reworked that and we wanted it to be our recommendations. Yeah. I'm doing bonus tarot as well for some of the higher tiers. And if you want to be totally wild and crazy, we have a founder's role. You could actually hang out with us once a month Yeah, and get to know us even further and get to just chill with us once a month. Yeah, and we get to do watch parties as well. There, right? Or do we do? Uh, I think we we're still tossing parties. that sort of stuff around because we, we, yeah, yeah. I, I like what you, Pagan said it so so freaking well because we wanted to showcase a little bit more of us on Patreon. One of the things we didn't want to do was lock away any content like uh, stories or anything. You know, we talked about right. what are we going to do this month? We want to do a bonus episode, but then it was like, oh, well, the people that can't afford to do that wouldn't be able to learn about that lore. So instead, it's just mm-hmm. us time. You get to hear, you do get to hear our, our inner thoughts on some of these things, but it's it's a different format. And I just, I hope that gives people the real bang for their buck that they want to subscribe for and help us out because you guys if you're jumping on like pagan said if you're getting you know any of those levels um moving even towards the founders level all that stuff is about helping us grow this podcast out not just to do quick stories on them but you know someday to do real investigative work get on boots on the Mm -hmm. ground 
Um, even if it is just a, a single one-off where we go to the area and explore it firsthand, that would be amazing. And the value that brings would just be that much more for our listeners at home. So well said, Pagan. I love that. I would also encourage you guys out there, not only check out the Patreon, because Pagan's throwing up there, those, uh, the free tarot, the, the, the vault notes are going up there, and then all the other things she mentioned. But again, over on, on Twitter, we got a lot of stuff going there. Uh, so if you want to subscribe or uh, follow over there, that is Chaos and Shadow. We got the Instagram account, which neither of us have been super on Instagram lately. But if you want to you want to check that one out, we would love it. Go give us some reasons. Go give us that motivation to be there. <laughs> exactly. And Discord, I would say. Discord.gg forward slash KDS. We're there chatting and you guys can share your stories as well. So feel free to swing by. What else, Peggy? Anything else you want to leave on them for also, today? if you go chaosandshadow.com you can submit your story there you can tell us what kind of story it is you can tell us if you want to air it on um probably either patreon or here depending on how we want to work that in Mm -hmm. and you can also check out the blog there which has all sorts of great goodies uh some are free some link back to patreon but you get all that great content and get all that great stuff if you want to know where to find the show, if you're just listening to it, or if you watch it live, either one, it can tell you all about that. And there's just so much good stuff over there. It's got our reading lists. Uh, it's got more info about us. I mean, just head over to Chaos and Shadow. Don't listen to me. Just go do it. <laughs> just, just go do it. Chaosandshadow.com. <laughs> well said, Pagan. That's right. We had that big submission form. So huge, huge, huge thank you to all of our listeners and all the people that view us live. Again, Twitch on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 4 p.m. Pacific. Come by. You can join us a little earlier than that even because we kind of warm up for our pre-show. And then we're going to dive in here in just a minute to a little bit of a post-show and tackle some of the questions that have been popping up throughout chat. So thank you all that have subscribed here on Twitch that are giving bits in chat. We It means a lot to us. And thank you for keeping us going and pursuing our passions. And Pagan, thank you for joining me again this week to share in this lovely little uh, folklore that could be so much more. Thank you for having me as always. I love being your co-host and we will catch you all next week. Have Indeed. a great weekend, everybody. Thank you all. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.